You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, and I am absolutely thrilled and excited to be joined today by a member of the Big Red Machine, and honestly, he was my favorite pitcher of the Big Red Machine era, Mr. Fred Norman. Fred, thanks very much for joining us today. We're really, really happy to have you with us. Well, Bill, thanks a lot. It's, uh, it's been a while since I've uh, done any of these things and interviews and whatnot, but uh, hopefully I can, uh, you know, uh, put some things in there to be of interest to uh, anybody who wants to check it out, right? <laughs> I think I can. I have no doubt about that. Let's start at the beginning of your career. You, signed your, you started your career in the Kansas City A's organization, signing in 61. And what I read was you signed for a $40,000 signing bonus. I'm assuming at that time that was a, quite a sizable bonus, wasn't it? Yeah, we thought it was. Actually, it was their first offer to me. And, uh, of course, my father and myself, we, you know, we didn't know a whole lot about uh, negotiating and whatever. Uh, so, you know, we kind of just were very happy and pleased to, for me to be able to sign. And uh, at that time they had, I think, just 18 clubs. 18 organizations at that time. I had 13 offers out of the 18. So, you know, that was pretty good, you know. So I, I didn't uh, look back on it as to, but I knew that they wanted to sign me uh, uh, for whatever it took. And in fact, the guy that uh, did the signing, who never saw me pitch, was uh, remember a guy named, uh, oh, he took over for Babe Ruth in center field. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of his name. But uh, he had never seen me pitch, and there were two other fellows. One was like a, uh, the actual scout, and the other was like a bird dog. Bird dog, yeah. At, in those days. And uh, so George Selkirk, that was the man's name. And so uh, I guess when they bring him down, I guess they try whatever they, you know, if the ante goes up, I guess he has the uh, okay to go ahead and up the ante. I wish I had known that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it'd be worth two or three, 20 million what they get today. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, Fred, you aren't a big guy, and Baseball Reference listed you at, at 5'8", 155. That's correct. And, and was much made of your size at the time? Because now there's so much emphasis on big pitchers and tall, and, 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 and the smaller you don't see as many smaller pitchers anymore. Was there anything, was that an issue at the time? You know what, at the time, it kind of was. Uh, I know with the Yankees, uh, the guy that used to uh, scout me pretty much there, my dad used to talk to him quite a bit because he'd go to all my games. And uh, he had, you know, hey, keep feeding those milkshakes, man. They can put some weight on it. All this sort of stuff, you know. Uh, obviously, I wasn't going to get any taller. But uh, the fortunate thing for me, size to me, did, never even entered my mind because uh, I had pitched against some pretty good clubs and uh, pretty good uh, high school kids, uh, things like that, and it, it just never, I mean, you know, I, I used to be a strikeout type pitcher, so I threw pretty hard, and, you know, I'd probably say, you know, I'd, I, we didn't have clocks at that time doing anything, uh, but I was probably in the mid-90s, you know, that type of stuff, and I had a very good curveball, uh, just a little bit wild enough that, uh, you know, they really didn't want to hang in at that time. But, yeah, no, it never, it never really bothered me to do that. But, yeah, I think maybe some clubs uh, felt that way yeah. and kind of stayed away from that, and maybe they offered me the least amount of money to sign. 
but they thought, you know, obviously 13 out of 18, someone, you know, thought a little more about it, so they didn't, you know, it didn't seem to bother them that much. Um, you, you made your major league debut at age 20 on, a, on September the 21st against the Tigers at Kansas City. That's correct. What do you remember about that day? That day was, <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that. Um, I think uh, Hank Bauer was the manager at that time, old Yankee guy and uh, that played for the Yankees, and uh, come up in September, and I was in the bullpen. And if I remember, I think it's the time that Bill Fisher, at that time, just broke the record for the least walk, you know, like no walks in like 60-something-odd innings, consist straight 60-some-odd straight innings without a walk. Wow. And uh, once he walked the, uh, the, the first guy, then they got me up. I think it was like the sixth or seventh inning. And they got me up. And so they, I guess they, you know, called out to uh, get normal up, you know. So they're going to get my feet wet, right? Yeah. So here I am. I'm, I'm walking around, and they're saying, hey, come on, let's go. you, you got to warm up. He wants you to warm up. I said, well, I can't find my glove. He said, well, you're sitting on it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm so nervous. <laughs> I had no idea, you know. I said, sitting on it. Oh, geez. So anyway, you know, I got the glove on and started warming up. And, uh, you know, I, I, I said, okay. You know, I did okay. You, I, I looked it up. That's the only reason. I, do you remember the, who the first batter you faced was? Ah, oh, boy. Uh, I'm not real sure. There's some things I do know. But Norm, I don't think it was K-Line. I, I forget who it was. It was Norm Cash. Norm Cash, yeah, left-hander, yep. left-hand hitter. That same yep, day, that, though, you, that's did, you, did, familiar. you did face K-Line and Rocky Calavito in your first appearance, and that's that's pretty strong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they had one of those kind of clubs, you know, yep. and uh, they had some dynamite players that, as well as, you know, some of those, like the Yankees, of course, and uh, which the following year, that was my first start, which you'll go into. But, uh, yeah, them, and then I think, what did I go after that next? Maybe Cleveland, I think? Uh, I'm not you know, against Cleveland after that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't trace that, those early years real, real close. Right, uh, in 62. Yeah, I, I know. I, I kind of, in my research, I jumped from there to your first major league win. Oh, yeah, okay. Which was, which was a few years later in 1970. That's correct. Yeah, you were pitching the for the. Yep, you were pitching for the Dodgers then. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I was basically in the bullpen then, uh, going through some stuff uh, with the Dodgers, of course, with the sore arm and what have you. But uh, yeah, that was my uh, first victory, and because I didn't, uh, as you know, I got traded in '63 of December of '63 to from Kansas City to the Cubs. Right. And I was their second-day starting pitcher in 64 with the Cubs. And that was the closest I got, obviously, you know, until 1970. I was, I think I was winning 3-1, uh, going in the seventh, eighth inning in Pittsburgh, second game of the season, and uh, got a runner on first and then second. We had a, a ball hit back to me. I threw it to second base. It was a little off the bag at second base, and uh, we didn't get the, the runner. And so they took me out and brought in Lindy McDaniel at that time. And, of course, they proceeded to tie the game up, and we eventually lost that game. 
But that was the closest I had gotten until 1970 to get my first victory. Yep, and you got that against the, against the Phillies. When you are pitching for the Dodgers, you came in in an extra inning game and, and, and threw five innings yep. and got the win. Yeah, 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 it was very satisfying. You know, it, you, you know once you get that first one in there, it's like, okay, you know, now I can relax and, you know, move forward. Uh, something, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of difficult sometimes, uh, me especially, because I was always a starting pitcher. And I was trying to get used to the fact that I'm going to be in the bullpen with the Dodgers. That's just the way it was. Uh, you know, they wanted another left hander to go along with Jim Brewer, who was our stopper, mm-hmm. a left hander. And so we only had him as being the only left-hander in the bullpen. So that's was my duty was going to be, you know, in the bullpen um, most of the year. Well, all year, really. And, and, and Fred, you talked about, you mentioned that you had a sore arm, uh, and, and I didn't come up with that in my research. And I know when you came to the Reds, you were throwing a screwball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which you don't ever hear about anymore. So I'd like you to tell us a little bit about the screwball and what other pitches you've thrown. And maybe you can tell us the story of the sore arm and how it affected your career. Yeah, pretty much is uh, when I finally uh, uh, broke it through and got you know uh, got rid of the sore arm. Of course, I had to battle with it. Uh, played for Roger Craig in 1968, 67. When I first got traded over to the Dodgers, I was in. Uh, I was in Chicago, you know, I was with the Cubs, and they had to carry me. They had like 10 pitchers, and I was basically the 10th pitcher. They had to carry me or lose me. So they ended up carrying me. I had pretty decent uh, spring. So here I am. I pitched one inning. I pitched one inning for the Cubs. I struck out Clinton, Clemente, and Stargell. That's strong. <laughs> That's not a bad but, inning. <laughs> and about uh, two weeks later, I got traded to the Dodgers. But, uh, and that, uh, the sad part about that was for me is I, I was pretty upset about it because I thought I really belonged at this time in the, in the major leagues, you know, to stay. Mm-hmm. I finally established myself as being able to throw strikes and, you know, this kind of stuff. And my, my arm was still good and all this because this was before the, you know, the sore arm came up. And uh, I got traded to the uh, Dodgers, but they sent me to AAA, you know, Spokane. Right. So I ended up having to go there. And that's kind of generally where it started. Cause I didn't pitch a lot of innings in spring training that year in 67. So I went over to the Dodgers and then began to pitch every fourth day. In those days, you pitched every fourth day. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, I guess, the wear and tear just kept going. And basically, maybe my arm was in real good shape yet. And I come up with tendonitis, uh, basically, in the deltoid area that's in, back, in the back part of the shoulder. And things just kept getting worse and stuff. I think it's like at the time I was like eight and four, and um, and I just uh, just things weren't happening right. And then all of a sudden I just couldn't throw anymore. I couldn't even lift my arm to comb my hair or whatever. And yeah. So they sent me up to uh, L.A. to see Dr. Curlin. In those days, Dr. Curlin was like today, Dr. Andrews. Okay. okay. Uh, he was the one everybody went to. Uh, Colfax basically in those days, uh, because of his arthritic condition. He was well known for taking care of him for a few years. Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they basically just gave me a shot in the back. and uh, Cortisone? Yeah, cortisone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jim, Maloney, Jim Maloney talked about going to the same doctor and getting a cortisone shot one time when they were on the West Coast. Oh, yeah, Dr. Curlin, yeah. Robert Curlin. And he had the same thing in the back of the shoulder. Yeah, right in that back, man. It's yeah. just... 
it's just a killer, you know. And he thought that uh, probably at first he said, "Well, I'd like to keep you around for a couple of days, but they want to they want you to go back there and, and uh, pitch." Uh, and he said, "I think you should be able to, but you know, they want you back there." So I said, "Okay." So off I go back, and I was going on the side, and it just wouldn't, wouldn't get any better. The next day, I couldn't even lift my arm. So I guess they thought I really didn't, you know, it didn't bother me as bad or whatever. Uh, but anyway, I ended up not pitching anymore for the rest of the year from June, mid-June, uh, you know, until the season was over in September. So I'm, I'm all year long. One doctor tells me he thought I should have throw, should throw all year round, you know, all this, the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Other doctors said, well, I, I thought you should rest. And I ended up resting it because I didn't know any better. Yeah. And so it didn't didn't help me. I went to spring training on a double A contract. They dropped me down to double A contract uh, with the Dodger organization, and so I was on the Albuquerque roster for that. And that was under Roger Craig. Roger Craig was the manager. Yeah. Double A Albuquerque dude. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, well, by spring training, it was kind of touch and go. You know, it just bothered me like crazy and. I pitch here and there, here, you know, not much. So anyway, we go north or whatever west to come out to Albuquerque to open up the season. And uh, I was on the disabled list the first 25 days. Nothing changed. He says, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. He says, I'm going to try and pitch you. Roger was telling me this. I'm going to try and pitch you every every fifth day or every Sundays as much as I can, the day games, and you're just going to have to throw it out. You know, there's just no other way. You know, I've had this type of stuff, and you can do the same thing. So it was touch and go most of the year. I'd go back and forth. My first start after 25 days on a DL, I pitched six perfect innings. And uh, <laughs> people were, they're, they're booing and everything. Why are you taking him out? He's got six perfect innings going. <laughs> but it just kept getting worse. You know, every time you come in and sit down, it would just build up again and just get worse, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it was just touch and go, but I I fight through it, you know. In those days, you man, you were taking dar bombs, you were taking muscle relaxers, I put an atomic bomb on my shoulder, yeah, and, that, heat stuff, oh, that yeah. type of stuff, just to get some type of heat in there, and, and hopefully that would work. And uh, icing, of course, after, but it it just was touch and go all the way until about first part of August, maybe a couple weeks into August. All of a sudden, I'm warming up, and it just pops and comes loose. It was like night and day. Really? Had no, I had no discomfort. I just, I said, Roger, I, you know, wow, you know, here it is. He said, well, you're on your way, pal. But what it did was, and what it taught me was, is how to pitch. And this was the best thing that could happen to me, fortunately for that. Is that can come up with a sore arm? But now I decide. Now I got to figure out where to put the ball. You know, I got to put uh-huh. it here. I got to put it there. I, I'm not an overpowering pitcher anymore. I've got to, you know, juggle things around. And that's how I learned how to pitch uh, for one, and it helped me tremendous. And so, uh, come next year in '69, I was still on double A contract with the Dodgers, and I'm pitching and I'm throwing well and all this. Tom Lasorda was a Triple A manager. And he had seen, you know, I had pitched against his ball club a couple of times, whatever, that's what you did. You know, in Vero Beach, that's where our spring training was. Mm-hmm. And he said, man, I'm taking you with me. You're coming to Spokane. So I proceeded to go to Spokane at your own trip. Now I'm on AAA again. 
and uh, ended up uh, being, uh, I was 13 and 6, uh, had the All-Star, you know, got on the All-Star team and all this, well, that promoted me back to the Dodger organization for the 1970 season. Right. And that's where I became back into the major league level and started pitching, but it's going to be in the bullpen. So I was kind of like, wasn't real happy about it, but that's just the way it was. They had their starters, and that's what they were going to do. So I was just basically in the bullpen. And so I, I pitched uh, in the bullpen with them off and on. You know, I did okay, and then at the end, you know. So but I think the last two weeks, I, didn't even, uh, I don't think I even pitched in the last two weeks. And then I'm getting traded. What they said was... Uh, the last week of the last two weeks of the season, I had uh, they sent me out on waivers and whatever, and St. Louis picked me up, the Cardinals, and I went over there to St. Louis for the last two weeks. So I, I got all my stuff in L.A., and I just had to get on an airplane and fly to St. Louis. So I ended up being over there, and uh, as I find out after the season was over, I was involved in a trade for uh, Dick Allen. You remember Dick Allen? Oh yeah. So that's what happened there with Terry, uh, Ted Sizemore. Mm-hmm. Remember Ted Sizemore? Yep, absolutely, infielder. Yep. He was an infielder shortstop. He was rookie of the year that year. And Bob Stenson, he was a uh, catcher. He was also out of Miami. That's where I went to high school in Miami, Florida. Right. And I was out of Miami also. I went to Miami High School. And uh, him, and then I found out myself was included. So that's how I got over to St. Louis, but I was only there briefly and, you know, and, of course, the rest is uh, kind of getting funky again, you know, with me. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it all started from that point. And then, of course, I can tell you about what happened after, you know, what your research is. Yeah, we'll get into, the, we'll get into that in a minute. Tell it, you, th- I, I, I want to get into exactly what you threw. I mean, I know you threw, when you came to the Reds, you were throwing a, you threw a screwball. And, yeah. and, you, and you don't ever hear anybody talking about a screwball anymore. And we got a lot of young guys that listen to this. Tell them what a screwball is. Well, pretty much, um, that was the pitch, basically, that really got me back to the big leagues. And I can tell you about that for the 71 season when I got sent down finally to uh, Tulsa and played for Warren Spahn. And Warren Spahn was the man that taught Jim Brewer the screwball. And so he said, this is the pitch that's going to get you back to the big leagues. Trust me. And so I, he worked with me with it. And what it does is, is it, it's kind of like I, had, I threw two different kinds. Uh, one that was a little bigger break, almost like a curveball-looking type thing, but I'm going the opposite way, and it just set, comes and sets down. Well, the other one is thrown almost like a slider, but for me, coming from me, I'm turning the ball inward, you know, and throwing it harder. So it just kind of comes over, sets down, and breaks maybe uh, three or four inches, you know, just enough to move over and set down on the outer part of the plate. So it's break, is it breaking away from a right-handed hitter or in on a right-handed hitter? Yeah, away from a right-hander Okay. and in on a left-hander. I didn't throw it too many times to left-handers. I have thrown it uh, before against left-hander like Willie Stargell and a couple of those guys. But uh, usually, normally, it's uh, against you know the right-hander. So it kind of just comes in, looks like it's right in the center of the plate, and just goes over and sets down. You know, and there's mechanics that you have to do with it. You know, like open it up my right landing foot. I open it up a little more. Then I just drag my arm right on through. Everything is the same as if I'm throwing a fastball or a curveball or a slider or whatever. My arm speed's the same. So everything, that's how you deceive hitters anyway. Mm-hmm. you got to stay with your arm speed. Right. And that's 
pretty much how it works, and it was an excellent pitch for me. Why, yeah. why, why do you think it seems to have fallen out of fashion? I think because of the uh, splitter now. Yeah, okay. We, you know, in the beginning, they was using the football, or they had a palm ball. They had a palm ball, you know, it's thrown like you put the ball in your palm of your hand, and you really can't throw it hard, but your arm comes through like a fastball, like you're really letting mm -hmm. it go, which you have to do, but it just floats out of that hand, you know, you just let it come out. There's like not much, uh, you know, pressure on the ball as opposed to opening up all your fingers and the ball just sits in there. And then, of course, then a fork ball came in. They actually split your finger. That's why it's a fork ball. And come in and shoots it out of this way, and like a Bruce Suter did. He had an excellent one, the best. Yep. And it, his thumb, basically, I guess, when he released the ball, his thumb would kind of flip the ball out of, his, out of the fork part of the, the hand. It was unbelievable. He had a great one. So then after that, here comes the splitter. And which is like a three finger circle, uh, stuff like that. They use that. Some guys do it a little different, I guess. You know, it's how they're taught. I know Roger Craig, I think, talk, uh, talked uh, to people like, you know, when he was in San Francisco uh, managing mm -hmm. there. I know he had worked with a couple of guys doing it there, too. Uh, and probably Detroit also when he was there. But uh, it was, it's just been an excellent pitch for some of these guys, like Mario Soto uh, through it, uh, just all sorts of people. And it looks like it's really uh, effective, you know, at this stage. And I guess the screwball basically is kind of obsolete, <laughs> you know. At least right now, anyway. But uh, yeah, everything, everything in life goes in cycles, so it'll come back like everything else, you know. Oh, I think it will, too. <laughs> it, it's a pretty good pitch. It, you know, it's just... And what he's doing is it's got an, it's almost kind of like a little tiny circle, just like a slider would be. When you throw a slider, if you throw it correctly, you got a little tiny dot spin going on, and it's thrown like a fastball, but right at the end you cut it. They call it, today they call them cutters. Yeah. And they'll go right at, the, right at the end here, and here you go. You got a little offline. It's almost like throwing a football. Okay. Mm -hmm. Football is thrown out there. Fastball is straightforward with your uh, hand. But this is just a cut, just a slight turn of your wrist and pull it down, obviously, with your middle finger here, you know. Mm -hmm. And it just pulls right on down and through. And that's, that's how I threw mine, I know. And uh, it's thrown basically like a fastball, so it's got a little less than a fastball speed, but more speed than anything else, you know. Okay. So it's thrown pretty quick, but yet it's going to break anywhere from, anywhere from uh, three to four to five, six inches. You know, a good one. Some of them throw them bigger, like Steve Carlton, my gosh. And if they just came straight down, looked like a curve, but that's not his curve. That is his slider, and he had a tremendous one. Yeah. It broke a little bigger. Yeah. Um, you, you, you went from the Cardinals to the Padres in 71. Um, had a pretty good year for the for the Padres in 72. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. You, 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 but then on the, the, the to get to all, what, we're, what most of our people are interested in, then on June the 12th in 1973, you were traded to the Reds for, yes, Gene, for Gene Locklear, Mike Jackson, and Cash. Yeah, Cash. I think they said something like 80,000 bucks or yeah. something like that. When, when, when you were came over to the Reds, San Diego was 20 and 40 and in sixth place, and the Reds were the defending National League champions, had been to two World Series in the past three years. Did this feel like kind of like hitting the lottery? 
Yeah, kind of in the lottery, right? <laughs> I couldn't wait. You know, pitching against them, we'll back up a year. Back in 72, yep. that year I had a, I, I did. I had a very good year. I think I finished even, uh, let's see, I was 9-11. Yep. I had six shutouts, 9-11, yep. with six shutouts. 9-11, and six shutouts. I think that year four times. So maybe this is probably the reason why I went to Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, I said at the time, when, and I was I was a young guy at the time, and I said at the time that they traded for you because they couldn't beat you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had, you know, Buddy Bavese was our uh, president and general manager with the uh, Padres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go back to the Dodger, Dodger days. That's how I got over there, to the Dodgers. And, of course, this is how I got over, I guess, to San Diego because he had gotten some interest in the Padres himself, plus being a general manager president. And um, he had called me. We were in. I was one and seven. I yeah. And my only victory, one and seven. My only victory was against the Reds. Yeah. <laughs> Beat them two to one, I think. Yeah. And so we're in. We're in Montreal. When I get a call from Buzzy, and Buzzy called me and talked to me. He says, "Hey, you know, I got a couple things going here. A couple moves. Uh, what do you think? I I, I just want to know, you know, how, what your feeling is. Uh, a couple clubs are interested." And I said, well, who are they? And he said, uh, well, you got the Kansas City uh, Royals and you got the Cincinnati Reds. I said, where do you think? <laughs> <laughs> one, was a, yeah, one was a yeah, one I said, expansion Wow, really? Yeah. He said, well, what we'll do is we'll talk about it when you come off the road. I said, oh, okay. Well, 15 minutes later, I get a call from the traveling secretary, <laughs> John Matai. That was his name, Doc Matai. Hey, John says, uh, hey, Freddie. This is how he talked. Hey, Freddie. I said, who am I going with? Can't, how did you know? I, said, <laughs> I just talked to Buzzy. I said, but he told me he wasn't going to do anything until uh, when we come back off the road. He said, well, I think they're going to make the deal, pal. I said, well, okay. So he says, you're going to Cincinnati Reds. And that was it. The next day, well, that was on a Tuesday. The next day was Wednesday, and that's when I was leaving out of there, and I flew into Cincinnati, and you know, they had an off day on Thursday, and I was to pitch on Friday you, against Bird Pirates. When you were in, yeah, and we'll get to that in a second, because you, you made quite a splash in your first few games. Yeah, but, I did. When you were in San Diego, you were playing for Donnie Zimmer, who's a Cincinnati boy. Did he, did he, yeah. did he tell you anything about Cincinnati when you were traded? No, he didn't. Um, in fact, uh, he just said good luck and whatever. Yeah, and, yeah he took over the club uh, in mid mid season, I believe. Uh, Don did, and, and uh, no, we didn't discuss anything about it. Okay. In fact, you know, I was like, I didn't even see him. You know, I went back to uh, pack up my stuff in Montreal, and uh, you know, my my bag, baseball bag, and uh, left the next day. Yeah. So once again, I got everything back in in San Diego again. Like, you know, here it is, all my stuff, and all my car, and the whole bit, and, you know, baseball sometimes gets a little hairy, you know, and but you do what you can about it, and so I just went on and went to Cincinnati, uh, but uh, no, Don didn't say too much about it, okay. no. So, so you, you get the ball on that Friday night against Pittsburgh on June the 15th, and, and you had a pretty good ball game that night. Uh, yeah, I did have a pretty good ball game. <laughs> you, threw a, you threw a five-hit shutout. Yeah, in fact, I'm in the training room. Larry Starr is rubbing my arm down. Pete Rose comes in, and he says, "Now don't go out there and get beat one or nothing." I said, "Because he knows, you know, pitching against San in San Diego, we didn't get a lot of runs. 
We didn't score a whole bunch of runs. I said, hey, you get the runs, I'll worry about the rest. So anyway, I ended up going out there and pitching a shutout. And uh, it worked out real well. And, uh, and so I had a, uh, <laughs> you remember, uh, because Joe Morgan uh, is the one that put the article up on the on the paper. Uh, there was an article in the Enquirer, and it was written by uh, uh, Bob uh, Herzl. Oh yeah. So Herz and I, you know, we're really good friends, and Bob's a great guy. And so Herz had it in there. So Norman is going to be our savior. I hear I am one and seven. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I can't blame him for saying that, but he, he said Joe Morgan. Put the sign up. He put the article up on my, uh, you know, locker after the game. <laughs> he says, "Yeah, here's our saver, Bob. What do you think? <laughs> hey, Hurts, here's our saver." Well, and, and, and you know, it was, was kind of ironic, but uh, and, and yeah, the, I proceeded to start out very well. The pitching staff was kind of beat up at the time because Roger, from what I've read, uh, uh, Roger Nelson was out. They said indefinitely, and Donnie Gullett was still recovering from hepatitis. That's correct. Yeah, so, so, so that's why they were, you know. I'm sure that's, this is one of the reasons why they made the deal for me. And, of course, we had Ross Grimsley. He was probably doing in and out, you know. And yeah. his rough times, too. And he was young, though. He was only 22. And uh, other than that, Tom Hall, he was a reliever for the most part in spot start. So, yeah, they had a rough time, you know. And uh, I could see that. Yeah, and, they had Bill and Jack, and Billingham was. Yeah, Jack was, you know, yeah. doing his thing. Yeah. So, I think even uh, McLaughlin was still there. Yes, he was. Yeah, Jim started nine games that year, yeah. That's right. And so, you know, it was just one of those days that I got in a situation where I knew that I was ready to pitch again because the reason I was, uh, when I was one of seven or seven, eight, I was in a bullpen, you know, but they made the trade, uh, trying to get my stuff back together, right? And because it started off so bad. And so I'm in the bullpen, and I'm throwing well. So I knew it's just a matter of time for me to get back and start a rotation and, and go from there. And so once I went to Cincinnati, I knew, hey, you know, here I am. I know I'm throwing well. And, of course, I did, and proceeded to do the first shutout. And then, of course, I had another one right after that. Yep, your next start, you, you, you even topped your first start because you only gave up three hits in your next start and a 4 nothing win against the Giants. Yeah, yeah, that was a good game. Uh, just one of those things, you know, I'm in a group now, and uh, things are comfortable. You know, I'm getting comfortable with the club, you know, with the new organization, and that's that's always a plus because they were very encouraged uh, by what they saw of me, and they knew what I could do if I had my stuff working. They, they knew I could win, especially on a club like that. You know, I mean, we're scoring four or five runs a game. You know, that was generally their average somewhere around that in those days. And so it's just a matter of me, uh, you know, doing my thing, you know, get the, get the ball over and, you know, throwing strikes and I'm in a groove and just uh, one thing after another and I'm thinking, boy, I guess these guys think I'm Cy Young, you know. Well, you had <laughs> well, a pretty good defensive club behind you there then too, you know. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, I, I've told this time and time again, it's the best team I've ever, ever been on, you know, just ever, and I've been in some organizations. And I've been with some mighty nice players, you know, anywhere from, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, Hall of Famers that have been around, you know, and uh, just uh, tremendous, you know. And But these guys, oh, my gosh, as a collective group of and I, and I players. Want to, and I want to talk about a little bit about later about the, the team dynamic of the, of the Reds and about some individual guys. But you, you went – 
in your next start, you went one out from throwing three consecutive shutouts. Yeah, in the uh, bottom of the ninth, I think it was. Two outs. I remember real well. Yeah, I gave up a home run to uh, Ron Say. Ron really. Say, the Penguin. Yep, Ron Say, and uh, I think I was behind maybe three and ball. I think it was three and one, the count was. And uh, boom. So that ends that deal. So. But, but, you you, I mean, when you come to a team, you throw 27 innings and give up one run. My guess is you made some friends in the clubhouse that week. I made a lot of good friends. (laughs) Uh, We're glad to have you here. (laughs) I said, well, I hope it continues. There you go. I'm here to to contribute just like anybody else. And and I hope I can do that. It's great being on a ball club like this. A short time later, there was a game that's kind of historic in Red's lore on July the 1st. The team was struggling, and, and, it, and the night before, you guys had lost to the Dodgers 8-7 to and 13, and you were 11 games back. That's right. In the first game of a doubleheader, you're down 3-1 in the bottom of the ninth, and the Dodgers had a future Hall of Famer named Don Sutton on the mound. That's right. Perez comes up and doubles to start the inning. Tolan pops out. Larry Stahl strikes out. Sparky sends Bench up to pinch hit for Concepcion. That's right. Walt Alston walks Bench to get the Bill Plummer. Yeah. And then Sparky sent up a guy named Hal King to hit for Bill Plummer. I knew Hal King. And what did Hal King do? He bingo, hit, bingo, three-run homer. He hit a three-run homer to win that game. You and and the Red I got Dogs, a decision on that. Yep. Uh, I, I it was three-one I think when I came out there. Actually, I you got, got the, you got the win that night. It was a complete game. Did I pitch nine? Yep. Oh, geez, that's right. What am I talking about? Yeah. And, I and, you guys, and you guys won the second game of that doubleheader, too. So, most yeah, we won the second game. But that's right. That was the game that he let me go. You know, there's so many times he took us out, you know. I know. And we're <laughs> going to talk about sometimes. And we're going to talk about that with Sparky in a little while because I, I want to get your, 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 your thinking on that. But there was a quote, I think it was from Pete Rose, after that doubleheader. And he said after that, the Dodgers may have the lead in the division, but they're chasing us now. Oh, yeah. That, that, that really turned the thing around. It, it was unbelievable. Like you said, it was 11 games back. And, you know, we just, I don't think we ever thought we could lose. I'll be honest with you. And it was just the way it went. And this is what happened in 75 also. I'll tell you about that in the World Series games. But they just, you know, they just don't quit. They just keep pounding you, you know. The Reds, yeah, that's how this Reds club was. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attribute it all to you, but that team went sixty eight and thirty six after the trade that brought you to Cincinnati. I know they did. <laughs> it is true. Very true. So, they, so well they had something going here. They had a guy that uh, they looked like they could be either they could trust now, yeah. you know, as maybe being a you know, somewhat of a stopper, uh, that if they got into a little slump, you know, two or three or four days in a row that uh, Someone could come along and uh, shut somebody down, yeah. you know. And this is what pitching is all about. And this is why I keep emphasizing the fact that I don't think the Reds pitchers ever got a lot of credit. And we're going to talk and about that, too. I, I, I've got that in my notes also. Just amazing and to me. And this is what kind of upset a few of us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'd like, I want to get back to that, but let's go into the, 70, right. let's go into the 73 playoffs now. Right, and you started Game Four against the Mets with the Reds down two to one. I mean, so That's you guys, right. you guys were facing the elimination game. That's right. This is your first postseason action ever. Were, yeah. you, were you as nervous that day as you were in, in, when you threw your first game? No, I was not. No, no, not at all. I just, 
Uh, it was just something that I, yeah, I've always been a guy that, hey, you know what? When things are on the line, I just pitch like any other day. And I don't, I, I know it's on the line, but it, I, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I just go ahead and say, hey, I, I got a job to do. I got to, you know, throw strikes. I got to get somebody out. We got to win. So let's just go and go get them. And, you know, I pitched five innings. I think I gave up, what, one hit or something? One hit. I don't know. Yeah, you gave up one hit. And again, you guys ended up winning two to one. Tony yeah, hit, one, two, one, out with five innings. Yeah. Tony hit and, a home run, and then Pete hit his second game winner of the series because he had won game one. That's right. In, in the he pitched, uh, in the 10th inning, I think, yeah. we got the, the home run. Yeah, and Ben should hit one, and then Ben and Ben and Rose. That's right. Then bingo, uh, we won the game, and now we're back to two, two, even two to two. And, of course, Tom Seaver pitched the next, you know, the next day. Yeah, and, and he was Tom Seaver that day. He was Tom Seaver that day. <laughs> I know. Well. I, I know. Didn't give up two runs, but uh, I think we lost what five three or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Something but, like that, I think. But I, I, yeah, I, that was. Uh, oh, it's just. Yeah, I was. I was kind. Of, I wasn't heartbroken, but I was just like, oh man, this close to going to the World Series. You know what I mean? And, and one you, of those because I knew they had been there in seventy and seventy two. Yeah. And I know they wanted to go also because of all the comebacks that we did all year long. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I I remember as a fan losing to that Met team who wasn't nearly as good as as the Reds were. No, they weren't. But Uh, but in a short series, you never know, and they had so much pitching with Matlack, Kuzman, and Seaver. I mean, that's that's tough to overcome. That was so hard, and I think these guys, they dominated. They dominated Joe Morgan. You know what I mean? Yeah, Joe Uh, had a bad series, yeah. Kuzman. Man, they, they pitched him well, you know, and Joe, what a, what a hitter he is, you know. But they just had one of those uh, series, a short series, like you say, all you need is three games, you're out. Yeah. So, you know, and they just, uh, they dominated. They, they really, and, and they should because they were good pitchers, you know. Yeah. So you ended up having a, a great year with the Reds. You had 24 starts, 15 of them, you went seven or more innings. The Reds won 17 of your 24 starts. Mm-hmm. You were twelve and six with the Reds, eleven and four as a starter with a three three zero ERA, and which in league average was three seven five, and you had three shutouts. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing after coming over, you know, considering the start you had in San Diego. Yeah, exactly. It, it was just it, well, like I said, we'll go back to saying, hey, you know, here's a, here's a basically almost an airless type club. Uh, they score runs, you know, four or five runs a game. And it's just the atmosphere is so different as to pitching in San Diego. It's like we're pitching in the World Series, you know, every day. And you would lose 2-1, 3-2, 4-3, one nothing. And, you know, I was involved with that as well as the other Padre pitchers that I had on my club, you know, like Steve Ireland. You know, I mean, he had some great games. And, I mean, you know, just uh, one thing after another with that club, because it was so new, young. Yeah. But, Going with the Reds, my gosh, you know, you, you just knew that, I mean, you win. That's just the way it is. That, that's a collective team that you had. Yeah. And then moving into 1974 here, you have an even better season with everything but wins and losses the next year. I mean, you had 26 starts. Um, you had a three, you, you dropped your ERA to 3.14, and, you, you know, you were almost a half a run below league average there. Right. Um, and I have to tell you, uh, on July the 25th, you pitched the second game of a doubleheader. It was one of your two shutouts that that year. You you uh, the Reds won the first game of the doubleheader, 14 to 13, on a Perez two-run homer in the bottom of the ninth when they scored five, and you pitched a complete game shutout in the second game. 
Yeah. And that was the day I got my driver's license. And me and my buddies all piled in the car and came to the ball game that night. <laughs> so I'm glad you could throw that shutout for me that night, Fred. Hey, that worked out well for you, didn't it? Yes, it did. Got your driver's license, no bet. And got and got to see two wins in the same night. You can't beat two that. wins in the same night. You can't beat that. That's right. So you guys won 98 games that year, but you finished four behind the Dodgers. That's right. And after yeah, losing, and after losing in the playoffs in '73, was there any concern on the team that maybe we, you know, maybe we're not as good as everybody says we are? No, never was. No. no it just then, you know, the following year '74, I mean, I think Pete hit what 289 or something that year, 283, if I remember, and it, it's just one of those years that uh, he had over 100 something walks. But I mean, you know, his average was down. He's a leadoff guy. He gets things going. Uh, I think Joe was kind of, you know, whatever, and, and Bench was down to, you know, a lot of things happened, you know. I mean, we might have had some injuries a little bit here and there, but it just, I, I couldn't believe it because I said, it's the same team, same club, almost the same exact team we had in 73, you know, that, that came back, yeah. you know, and, but, you know, I said, it's not the end because yeah, but, I know. Plus the Dodgers but, had, but the Dodgers had a pretty good ball club themselves, you know. Had a great ball club. They that's really did, right. and they played like it. Yeah, you know, and, and man, they just they, played like it, and and, man, and they deserve it, and that's just the way it was. And, and man, growing up in Cincinnati at the time, I can tell you, we hated the Dodgers. Oh yeah, we always battled. <laughs> uh, I was a Dodger growing up. You know, when I was playing, I always wanted to be with the Dodgers. Colfax was one of my big guys that I really liked. Yeah. And, you know, like one Spawn and these guys I did, and you know, left handers. You know, Whitey Ford. You know, I really admired what they did, you know, whether they were fastball pitchers or off-speed pitchers that, uh, like Whitey Ford was. But, I mean, the Dodgers, you just always, you, you love to beat them. In the minor leagues, even, it was like that. We love to beat the Dodgers. Isn't that amazing? I mean, almost everybody, any organization, because they had such a reputation of being a very good organization, yeah. like Cardinals in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just had, they just did things right, you know. Took care of their players, you know, the whole bit. Yeah. And that's what I admired, because when I went over there in 67, I found out how they were, how that organization worked and operated, and they were first class, you know. Yeah. They, they just did things right. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, it, 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 I guess what the amazing part of it was, I guess, is when they came back in 73, battled back and beat them, I guess they didn't like it too well. So they come back in 74 and pounded our butt, right? Yeah. You know, this is where I see it. You know, it just happened. Just the way it was. Okay, so now we're, we're moving into the 75 season. Tell us, tell me the team's mindset in spring training in 75. I mean, was there a sense of determination? I mean, was, I mean, you know, we have something to prove or, or, you know, how did you guys, how did you feel going into the 75 year? I think the guys, you know, like a Perez, a Rose, a Morgan, a Bench, and Debbie Conception, uh, even George Foster was coming on the scene now. You know, these guys, they, they really, you know, they wanted to win. You know, they really did. I, and you could just see it. They didn't have to say it. It's just how they presented themselves. Mm-hmm. How they went about spring training. And they were getting ready like any other year, but the irony was, I think, probably was because we wanted to get started off good, you know, like they did in 70. Right. 70, I mean, there was, I mean, first 100 games, there were 70 and 30. Right, exactly right. I was with the Dodgers, right, and we were like, 
I think, 10 games out in the first 35 games or something. <laughs> uh, I mean, it just was impossible. And I think that's probably why they, uh, you know, they just, they're winners, and they know that, you know, because they have winning attitudes. You know, 74 was just, well, you can almost say it's not, it wasn't a fluke, you know, that, that they did win, but I think it was just the fact that it just happened, you know, and, and we didn't do bad. But no, you had was, a good year, you just, the Dodgers uh, had a better year. Yeah, we had 98 wins. Well, the Dodgers had over 100, you know, so that's just how it was. But, uh, yeah, 75, go on, here we go. Start off on the right foot and bingo, start getting moving and going. And, you know, things got a little rough there, too, I think, at times. And uh, I, I, But I just think that they really knew that, you know, coming off of the year before and the year before that in 73, smelling it, going back to the World Series almost at that time in 73, missed it in 74, they want to get back because it's the same group, same guys, 70 and 72, they want to get back, and this is how they do it. This is how they, this, they're pros. You know, they're real professionals. Hey, this is Chad Dotson from RedLegNation.com. Stay tuned for part two of this Red Leg Nation radio interview with Fred Norman. <laughs> 